to the Prophecy Club. I feel it is important enough that I finish this broadcast talking about the church. Prophecies that are speaking to the church. Now, again, the church is not this brick building or wood building with a steeple on top. This is actually talking about you and I. In other words, the people whose names are in the book of life. We have to make certain that we are walking correctly before our Lord. So, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I've got a couple of these to finish up talking about the church. I'm going to get through those, and if I have enough time, then I'm going to jump over and talking about the mark of the beast. I have some very interesting information on that. By the way, I don't know what it is here lately. Just information is flowing me from all directions. Which is, by the way, my email is askstan at prophecyclub.com. Askstan at prophecyclub.com. And when you email, I don't have any filters on this, so just try to be your best Christian uh, attitude when you do right. Anyway, so this is January 24, 1994. This is Dimitri Dudeman. He says, it was about 7 o'clock in the morning when I woke up. I felt a little tired, so I stayed in bed a little longer to rest. Then I fell asleep again and dreamed that I was in an American church service. When the building began to move violently, because they did not know what was happening, the people inside panicked and quickly began to run out. Does that sound like something that might be about ready to happen now? Probably does, doesn't it? Let's go on. I succeeded in walking out also, but with every step I tried to take, it seemed like I was sinking into the ground. I began to look around to find something to support myself with so I could walk. And I heard a voice say, look up and see the heavens. I looked up. As far as the eye could see, all the sky was blood red. I said, Lord, what does this mean? Why is the sky red? Then I remembered my father telling me when I was a child that before the Great War, the sky turned blood red. All right, pause. Hang on. Is that telling us something bad is going to be coming to America? Yep. Question is whether it's coming this year. And probably there's a good possibility that. Let's go on. As I stood looking toward the sky, a cloud suddenly appeared. Three men came out of the cloud, and the middle one was dressed in shiny clothes. One was of great stature. He shined so brightly that I could barely look at him. The other two, one on his right, one on his left, were prepared for war. Okay, so you get the picture. We have three angels coming to him. The one in the middle is very bright. The other two are prepared for war. He said they had weapons in their hands that were pointed toward the inhabitants of the earth. Trembling, I asked, Lord, what am I seeing? What does all this mean? When the one in the middle spoke in a thunderous voice, all those around me were able to see him, and it said, I am Jesus, the Christ, who gave my life for you. Many of those who I gave my life for today dishonor me, living in sin and things that are wrong. The honor and the glory that I deserve is not given to me. For this, I have no mercy, but will soon return in glory and honor. Now listen to this carefully, as judge to judge. See, a lot of Christians think, oh, well, Jesus would never judge me. I mean, as soon as I ask Jesus into my heart, everything's okay, and then I can live like I want to, and I still go to heaven. Yeah, not exactly. Nice way to believe, but that's not the way it really is. So he says, for this, I have no mercy but will soon return in glory and honor as judge to judge all the inhabitants of the earth. 
But first, I will judge those that carry the name of Christians, yet have tried to deceive me. Because of them, my name was, and is, dishonored and blasphemed before those who do not know me. And about you, he said to me, Be awake, be on guard more than ever, for you will have to go through many trials. Now the battle will begin to get harder. The devil is ready to begin war against the Christians. All right, now let's pause a second. Remember in Revelation where it says he was given power to make war against the Christians? Yeah, there. I mean, I was told in an audible voice, these are the days of Elijah, meaning the battle between good and bad is at its height right now. That's what he's saying. He said, the devil is ready to begin war against the Christians, and I have allowed this. Then the two men beside him began to fire the weapons. A salvo of fire came out, lighting the sky, and it began to burn. The one who shone brightly stood in the midst of the flames, crying out with a loud voice, Do not fear. All those who worship me and have lived a clean life, those that suffered here on earth, will have joy. For I am the one who will judge all the nationalities of the earth. I will spare no one, and I will have... I will spare no one and will not have mercy or grace for anyone. The day when I will punish and condemn is coming. And I tell these things for everyone to hear. Hard days of suffering are coming to this place and all over the world. The hardships will be so great that the minds of man will not be able to understand it. It will be so hard that men will kill themselves as in commit suicide. I will judge through torment, pain, and suffering. And I will take revenge with great harshness for all sin. The Father has allowed me to avenge my spilled blood. The two other ones began to fire their weapons again. But this time a blue flame came out. I fell with my face to the ground. The one in the middle yelled, Get up! I want to show you the judgment of the people and the wicked. But the harshest judgment will be received by my church. Because they knew my word and my power but many of them dishonored me, giving into defilement, adulteries, wickedness, and dishonored my name before men who did not know me. For this, I am filled with rage, and I have been given the authority to take revenge against the inhabitants of the earth, those who have dishonored me. The two that stood on either side of him began to fire again. A heavenly choir appeared and began to sing a song in the most beautiful splendor. Jesus is alive. Jesus lives. Jesus is alive. Jesus reigns. Jesus is coming in glory. Jesus is no longer Savior, but returns as judge. I began to cry. I cried with tears of joy. I was in an awesome atmosphere of incredible beauty. The choir continued to sing as the two men with the weapons introduced themselves. The one on the right said, I am the head of the Lord's armies, Gabriel. The one on the left said, I am Michael, the leader of the Lord's armies. We are at the Lamb's command, and wherever the Lamb goes, we accompany him. The choir continued to sing, and everything began to fade. I woke up with words, Jesus is no longer coming as Savior, but as Judge. Now the point there is, every one of us has to make certain that we are living a clean life, not just before Jesus that can see everything, but also before our fellow brothers and sisters, but most importantly, before those people who do not know Jesus. In other words, many times, we Christians are the only Bible they are going to read. 
And if they're ever going to receive Jesus, they're going to receive Jesus first because they were impressed with us and what we do. Now, one more, then we're going to go talk about the mark of the beast. This is called This is the Church. Again, that's the topic of this particular broadcast, the church. This was given to Michael Boldea, the grandson of Dimitri Dudeman, September 2003. An openly gay bishop had been ordained by the Episcopalian Church. And then of the battle over the Ten Commandments in Alabama. As a result, I dreamed that I was in a hospital room. It was very clean and freshly painted. In the room, there was a bed with a woman in it. I approached the bed and took a closer look at the woman. She was dressed in a gray robe. Okay, now what is the church supposed to be wearing? Clean, right? White and clean. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Yet this woman is in a gray robe. What does that mean? Let's go on. She was dressed in a gray robe. And she had a ring on every finger of her hand. From time to time, she would raise her hand and look at her fingers and smile. For some reason, that smile was the saddest thing I'd ever seen. It was crooked, and it exhibited no real joy. And as I looked at her, the sadness in my heart grew to such intensity that I woke up from the dream. Even awake, I could still feel the sadness. And as much as I tried, I just couldn't go back to sleep. For six days in a row... I had the exact same dream. I would see the woman lying in the bed, overwhelmed by sadness. Then I would wake up. I was so frustrated not knowing what this meant, and then on the seventh day, I decided to fast. That night as I went to sleep, the same dream started again, just as before. I looked at the woman. She smiled. The sadness overwhelmed me. But this time, I didn't wake up. The door to the room opened, and a man, meaning an angel, dressed in a white smock, walked in, holding a clipboard. Before he could say anything, I began asking a barrage of questions. Who are you? Why am I here? Who is she? Why have I been dreaming this for almost the past week? The angel said, because you waited almost a week to fast, he said. He must have noticed the stunning expression on my face because his eyebrows arched upward and said, I'm a friend, he continued. I was sent with a message, be at peace, servant. All will be revealed in due time. How do I know you're a friend, I asked. Because Jesus is Lord, he answered. Then he smiled, and I recognized him. I'd seen that smile before. Suddenly, I was eight years old again, sleeping in the top bunk of my bed that I shared with my grandparents. On a cold winter night in Romania, I remember that night so well, I woke up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, but before I could get out of bed, I heard talking below. My grandfather was talking to someone. I went to peer over the edge to see who it was and found myself face to face with this man. He'd smiled and I'd instantly gone back to sleep. I know you, don't I? Yes, we've met before, but I see you often, he answered. Well, why am I here, I ask? Because you murmur. Because you said in your heart you're on a fool's quest. Now, let me just pause just a second. Fortunately, I don't feel that way, but you understand that I carry the same message that Michael Boldea is carrying, i.e. the message that America is the mystery Babylon, the message that was given to Dimitri. And so he feels like he's on a fool's quest, and I have to say I don't feel like I'm, well, I think I said here just recently, I feel like a failure. I mean, I don't think that people have heard this message. Here we are only on one radio station. One day we're on 80 radio stations and 25 TV stations. Long way off. Because you think no one hears, that the message is falling on deaf ears. 
It is not for you to judge the success the message has in the hearts of others. You are called to be a servant. Serve. I was sent to rekindle the fire of compassion in your heart. Compassion for the wayward and the lost. Compassion for her, meaning the church. He said, pointing to the woman in the bed. Who is she? She is the church, he answered me. Content only with the things of this world. Absent of spiritual strength. She is the reason you and others like you are called to forfeit your lives. The sadness you feel when you behold her is nothing compared to the sadness the father feels for her condition. If she is to stand in the fire, if she is to be victorious, she must be strengthened. She has been in this condition for spiritual of spiritual paralysis for a long time. So long, she believes this is her natural state. If only she knew the power she has access to. If only she knew obedience. Now, let's pause just a second. That saying, brothers and sisters, that when we've accepted Jesus, when our name is in the book of life, and when we're walking holy before him, our prayers availeth much. Our prayers can do great and mighty things, which, of course, is the reason we have the fast track team, which, by the way, last check is up to like 1,440-some-odd people. So it's, it's grown exponentially. So here's the way that works. Uh, here, I'll tell you about that in just a second, if I can remember to come back to it. She believes this is her natural state. If she only knew the power she had access to, if only she knew obedience, the wolves had gathered unhindered, and soon they will strike at her with violence. What will she do if she is unable to defend herself? What will become of the house of God? Be faithful, for faithfulness is rewarded. Why do you say in your heart that God should make it easier, that he should ease your trials? Would you rather that the pride find its way into your heart when the Father endows you with the gift he has promised? Keep humility as your constant companion, for the humble receive an abundance of grace. Remember, if just one soul is spared from the eternal flame, if just one soul is reached and brought to salvation, it is worth a lifetime's labor and sacrifice. Now, the point there is, keep praying for your loved ones. One day, you will know the number and receive your reward and be astonished. I must leave now, but whether in the waking hours or in a dream, we will meet again. The man walked to the bed, looked down at the woman, smiled a sad smile, and walked out. As soon as he walked out of the room, and I was alone with her, the sadness began to invade my heart all over again, and I woke up. So what's the point? The point is, the church is looking at the gold and the silver and the diamonds on her fingers, looking at the world and the things of this world. When she needs to be turning to holiness and righteousness and understanding her power and her victory through that power over the evil around her, but yet she lays in a hospital bed in a gray robe. How many Christians do you know of are sick, going through all sorts of health problems because they don't know the authority that they walk in? And they're wearing a gray robe, meaning they have sins all over them, and they're looking at all the gold and the diamonds that the devil has put on them. What it's saying is, we need to all, all of us, come out of the world and the things of the world that do so easily beset, and we need to walk holy and clean before him. Now, I mentioned to you about fast track. So as I mentioned several times, we have a group of people that fasts and prays for the Prophecy Club each week. Every, every Tuesday evening, they get an email from me, and the fast is supposed to begin Tuesday evening at midnight all the way over to 
4 p.m. on Wednesday. I send them the kind of fast, the prayer, which takes about two minutes to pray. It's not long. We all have the same prayer, the same fast, the same day, and we have seen absolute miracles come in because we have so many people fasting and praying. You can quit any time you want. My promise to you is I never ask for donations from my Fast Act team. I never send product offers. You can quit any time you want to. And you can sign up by going to prophecyclub.com and just click on Fast Track and sign up and we'll tell you all about it. Anyway, now let's get on over to the Mark of the Beast. Now, you know that the Mark of the Beast is well here. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, and free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand. And that no man might by himself say he that receiveth the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six, or six, six, six. Now, as far as what the mark of the beast actually is, no one for sure knows. But we did have Ken Peters on to make a DVD back in, I think it was year 2000. You can get the DVD at Prophecy Club. You can watch it instantly at, at watchprophecyclub.com. And probably it is still to this day one of our most popular DVDs. People, and I, I never get any complaints from people saying, oh, this guy's not hearing from God. Story was in 2000, he said about 25 years before then, he had a dream that lasted all night long, got up, used the bathroom in the middle of the dream, went back, laid down. He said the dream picked up exactly where it left off. And for this entire dream, he said, I lived through the first three and a half years of the tribulation until I was beheaded. He tells the whole story. And he tells us what he saw the mark of the beast look like. And he also says that he did not see any kind of a computer chip linked to it at all. He simply saw it to be like a tattoo. And he explains to you, and in the video, it shows you what it looks like. But I've got an article here. It comes to us from GovTech.com. The title is Chip Implants, the Next Big Privacy Debate. And it's dated November 25 of 2018. And it says the question is set to divide millions of people in the 2020s and perhaps even billions of people in the 2030s and 2040s. It says, get ready for people to ask you to place microchips under your skin for a wide variety of reasons. The shorter answer is, implanting chips in humans has privacy and security implications that go well beyond cameras in public places, facial recognition, traffic, and tracking of our locations, or our driving habits, and even beyond ownership of your own data. This topic touches upon your hand, your heart, your brain, and the rest of your body. Literally, this new development is set to give a very different meaning to hacking the body or biohacking. While cyber experts continue to worry about protecting critical infrastructure and mitigating security risks that could harm the economy or cause a loss of life, implanted chips also affect health but add in new dimensions that conflict with people's religious beliefs. Let me just say something about that. Do you realize without Revelation 13, verses 16, 17, and 18, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, and free and bond, receiving the mark on the right hand of their foreheads, without those scriptures, warning us not to take a mark, probably we would all already have some kind of a chip implanted into our body. Now think about it. Wouldn't it be nice to not have to carry 
a Social Security card, a Medicare card, a driver's license, any kind of an identification at all, not even have to carry any kind of a currency. In other words, there's no loss of credit cards. No one can steal anything from you. All you do when you want a Coke, you walk up to the Coke machine and you wave your hand because you've got a little computer chip in there. You walk into a grocery store, pick up whatever you want, and not even have to slow down. You have to check out. It just builds your account. Now think about it. Having a computer chip that would absolutely positively identify every person would be wonderful. That is, if Jesus were in charge. But then, of course, if Jesus were in charge, we wouldn't be paying for anything. So, But the point is, it's really a good idea. If you take away the religious aspect of it, If you take away Revelation 13, the warning not to take it, why, it sounds like a wonderful idea, unless it has to do with worshiping the beast, and that's exactly what it has to do with. Let's go on. Let's explore the good, the bad, and the possible ugly implications that come with microchip implants. This would go beyond paying for your smartphone. Instead, chipped customers would simply wave their hands in lieu of an Apple Pay or other mobile payment systems. The benefits don't stop there. In the future, customers could zip through airport scanners, passport, driver's license, open doors, start cars, operate home automation systems, all of it, if this technology pans out with a simple wave of the hand. Microchips are going from tech geek novelty to genuine health tools. And you might be running out of good reasons to say no. Three Square Chip says that its medical RFID implants will be powered by body heat. It goes on to explain a chip put in the right place in the body by the body getting warmer or colder, heating in that simple change of heat could charge the chips, making them very affordable, monitoring heart, and if there's some kind of a problem, actually notify the uh, authorities that there's a problem, that you're having a heart attack, and maybe even be able to scan what the problem is in the back of the ambulance. The company estimates that it would be selling chips capable of tracking a wearer's live vital signs in a little more than a year. Now think about that, in a year? But a few other developments may come first. Macmillan hopes that people will soon consider storing their medical information on encrypted RFID chips. That's radio frequency identification chips. In other words, it's a little chip. Right now, they're about the size of a grain of rice, and it's a glass-encased little uh, antenna, wild, a little fine, fine wired antenna hooked to a computer chip, hooked to what could be another device such as a battery or a charging unit, okay? Capable of tracking a wearer's live vital signs in a little more than a year. It goes on to say that this medical information on these RFID chips and the group is also working on a way to make GPS-enabled chips available as an option for families to track relatives. Well, now, how wonderful be able to track everyone on the globe. Doesn't that sound great? It does if you take away the fact that there's an antichrist coming, if you take away the fact that there's going to come a time when no one will be able to buy or sell save he that had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. If you take that away, well, that's wonderful be able to track everybody. That means this girl goes out and goes jogging, turns up, uh, dead someplace where well, we can track where she was and where she is and be able to find someone gets kidnapped, be able to track them down. Well, there's all kinds of wonderful benefits. 
When you take three verses out of the Bible, and you'd already have the chip and not know there's anything bad about it. Second, the topic resurfaced last month with several stories like this NPR article on how thousands of Swedes are inserting microchips under their skin. More than 4,000 Swedes have adopted the technology with one company, Biohacks, H-A-X, as in hacks as in hacks, okay, Biohacks International, dominating the market, the chipping firm, was started five years ago after spending the past two years working full-time on the project, he's currently developing training materials so he can hire Swedish doctors and nurses who can help take on some of this heavy workload of doing the research and getting it all up and going. He says, but medical necessities aside, what would you pay to receive a chip implant if it offered some other medical enhancement for your body? Some kind of other research which was started, such as deep brain stimulation, as a treatment for Parkinson's disease. Now suggest a chip implants can boost your memory. Okay, so now we've gone from just tracking, from just paying for things, to now actually giving you eternal life. Remember, I talked about that too. That is coming. And these guys are saying that they plan to have it online in 2019. Article goes on to say, a professor of computer science at Carnegie Mellon University's Human Computer Interaction Institute has been working on a similar idea since 2009. People want to do more sophisticated things on mobile phones, and the industrial answer seemed to be, hey, let's put bigger and bigger screens on them. He says, that only works up to a point. Why don't we just forget the screen entirely? Why not just use the skin instead of the three-and-a-half-inch iPhone? Why not have a 20-inch arm bone? So he went on to say, a device could be worn on the shoulder that would project your phone inf interface into your palm. A depth-sensitive camera picked up when and where you tapped on your skin so the projection reacted with it. The invention of smartphones enabled the creation of all these ideas and apps and services. Imagine what that will be like for your body. Do you remember back a few decades I remember watching the TV show, The Six Million Dollar Man, he says. The opening phrase is still appealing. We can build him and make him better, stronger, and faster. There are many intriguing stories about the potential dark side of implanting chips. Wired magazine describes mind games, the tortured lives of targeted individuals. Here's the final paragraph from that piece. Parenthesis, once she loved technology, shaping and molding it, playing with data in the back end of the website. When the targeting first began, she even considered the ways the technology could do good. What if, for instance, the chip inside of your head could teach you to speak a new language? But then she quickly learned that it wasn't there to teach her. It was there to hurt her. It was permanent and it would change her forever. In this Forbes article, the author describes the privacy debate isn't about secrets. It's about control. Quote, even if Internet search yielded an accurate, fair, crowd-vetted record of all human existence, which it doesn't, those records no longer belong to individuals, but rather to the faceless mechanisms of social discourse and surveillance. Sure, the loss of privacy can be embarrassing or frustrating, but it's a side effect of this thornier issue of giving up control. Now, it's only halfway through the article. Point is... Everything seems to be moving toward monitoring, tracking, controlling. Why? 
because they want to be able to find every person on the globe and make them make a choice. Either you take the mark, worship the beast, lose your salvation, or you lose your head. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And when it comes time to your giving, remember Prophecy Club. God bless. In my opinion, the most important gift offer you can get is the Wake Up America gift offer. It's the testimony of Dimitri Dudeman being put through five months of torture, twice on the electric chair, the angel coming to him and telling him the fall of America would start with an internal revolution. All of this is also put into a book called Prophecies of the Fall of America. It also has Michael Boldea and the prophecies from Prophet Leslie Johnson. And then I teach through, in American Bible Prophecy, 193 scriptures. That's two DVDs and a book valued at $75, all three of them available for a gift of just $30. If you don't get anything, get this. It's called the Wake Up America Gift Offer at prophecyclub.com. Each single Prophecy Club DVD is a gift of $30. In that you know the Internet is going away one day, it is a good idea to actually have the disc. However... At WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200. At WatchProphecyClub.com, that's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal.